You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee here in the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Startwell. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Charlie, man, there's a lot of people in town right now. I mean, there was a ton of people at Strange Brew this morning when I went by Strange Brew. A lot of state fans. There was a few Georgia fans. Had a lot of Georgia fans at the game last night. We'll talk about that later. Yes, we will. And uh, State loses last night to the Georgia Bulldogs in 45-19, the final. Charlie, looking back at it, and of course, when the schedule came out, what did we say during the summer? Hey, we could be a better football team, but the record may not show it because you're trading Vanderbilt for Georgia. Hey, Vanderbilt won yesterday. They beat Kentucky. That was a crazy surprise right there. And I it, would not have guess that in a million years no and it also drives on the point and that, that kind of that is my point is of all these games that we've lost we're six and four right now which is not a terrible record there have been several years back in the mid-2000s that I would love to have been six and four the the Kentucky game is the one that sticks in a crawl it almost felt like talking to people last night as we were leaving that was what people were actually still mad about I mean, we played the number one team in the country. If you look at our losses right now, they are to first in the East, first in the West, second in the West, and then Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. It almost felt like that's what people were really mad about leaving yesterday. I think so. And, hey, Georgia, I mean, Georgia is is good. Their talent level is what Kirby Smart has done over there changing the culture finally tapping into Georgia recruiting. What do people say all the time? Whether it be football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball, everybody says the same thing about Georgia. Man, they should be better. They got Atlanta in their backyard. They got the Georgia high school system, which is as good as anywhere in the country. How could they not be good in every sport? And give Kirby Smart credit. He's a guy that is going in there, and so you solidify the top players in the state of Georgia, you keep them home, and then you recruit nationally and go get the best of the best. That's what he did with Bowers. That guy's from Napa, California. And, hey, it kind of reminded me of this, Charlie. We used to play lunchtime basketball about 15 years ago in the hump, and everybody was about the same. I was a lot thinner back then. And we were all very similar. You know, we would run up and down the floor. We'd play four-court basketball, and if you had an open shot, most times everybody made it. It was a good product, and we had fun with it. It was a lot wait, of fun. Wait, wait, wait. Well, you had an open shot, most times people made it. Yeah, they did. Okay, they go did. on. But one day, walking out of the tunnel came Marcus Grant, all right? And for you young guys out there that don't understand and don't know who Marcus Grant was, in the mid-2000s, Marcus Grant was the best basketball player on this campus. Remind you, he played in the mid-90s. He was in his mid-30s, and he was still the best basketball player on his campus. Okay, I was trying to do the math there. Now, yeah. now I'm with you. <laughs> so, I was like, wait a minute. I'm reasonably sure he's older than that. He, 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 was, uh, he was still the best. In 05, 06, somewhere in there, Marcus was still the best. Now, wait a minute. In 05, we had Lawrence Roberts on campus. No, he was 04. But he was back for 05. 
Yeah, but I would still say Marcus Grant was better. Okay, anyway. Because – Okay, go j- just go with me here. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll play along. Yeah, no, don't stick holes in this, okay? But the thing about that was is we got out there and we would play hard, and at the end of the day, he was just better. And no matter what we did, no matter how we defended, and that's the way I look at Brock Bowers. That's the way I look at Georgia tight end. But here's also the thing, too. Say we had brought Coach Polk down and say, hey, we want you to referee these ball games. The last thing we would have needed – is for him to protect Marcus and say, hey, he can take four steps on his drive to the bucket. He can, you know, every time you, you know, blow on his shoulder, you call a foul. That's the last thing you would if have If he needed. fouls you, maybe we'll get together and then wave it off. Yeah, we'll get together and wave it off. And so that was kind of the thought process of, hey, they're good. They're they're better. And you get beat 45 to 19, the last thing you're going to do is come in here and blame officiating on a game. But let me tell you this. That put some points on the board last night and took some points away last night, and uh, that was uh, that was that was kind of tough to watch at times. And it was it kind of goes back to the old theory when you're umpiring baseball. I was told this when I was umpired in in college. Hey, just get the obvious stuff right. Just get the obvious things right. And so last night they had a couple times where they just didn't get the obvious thing right. Well, it's a bit of a surprise though because Mark Curls has been so dependable. As a college football official, you know, I guess even the greats have their bad days, and uh, maybe that's just what happened yesterday. That, of course, he's he doesn't get to be the head guy anymore, but the fact that he still has a whistle is somewhat shocking. By the way, shout out to Winsome Frazier, who you just said was worse than Marcus Grant in two thousand five. But I digress. Well, Winsome Frazier was injured for about a month and a half there. And so during the time he was injured, during the time he was injured, and you look at the full body of water. Okay. Any event, I leave last night's game with many different and conflicting emotions. And the more I read Twitter, the more I read message boards, candidly, the more conflicted I became because I think there's people on both sides are a little bit right in my estimation. On the one hand, you could say, what did you expect? This was the number one team in the country. They were more than a two-touchdown favorite. Did anybody really expect? Now, I get having hope. I get having desire. I get that as a fan, we kind of get ourselves into this idea, hey, we can win this thing. But did any, did any legitimate analyst detached with no subjectivity just look at this and say, hey, I think Mississippi State's going to win this football game? So on the one hand, you would say what happened is somewhat what you expected to happen. On the other hand, I think it's fair to say that it's reasonable to be frustrated that our offense hasn't performed against an Alabama, against an LSU, against a Georgia. And so we are not as bad as people think. Look, we were a team picked to finish sixth in the SEC West. Right now we're fourth. We have the sixth best record in the entire league. You look around, three of our four losses, like we talked about, have been to top two teams in their division. But on is, the other hand, I think what is frustrating is this. It, it, it's, you kind of live in that middle. We're, we're stuck in the middle. Yeah. And the, I think the thing that is frustrating is the difficulty competing. If you want to make that next step, the question is then, well, how do we compete with those guys? And I think it's – a lot. I, I'll be honest with you. Watching Georgia last night, you know, boy, you look at that big tight end. It feels like a weapon, doesn't it? 
And you yeah. say, boy, what do you like if you got a big guy in the middle? So you say, on the one hand, maybe we need to make some changes there. On the other, I w- went down to the field towards the end of the game, and I'm looking at these Georgia corners. These guys are built different, man. They're, and so it's it's like a little bit of everything. Yeah, they're they're deep. The thing that I take from it, you know, Charlie, you, you talk about the offense, and, and I think that's probably the people that I talk to has been the most frustrating thing is you look around the four games we lost, all four of those games, we had under 300 yards of total offense in those games. And, hey, I'm not a stickler for yardage, but but it just seems as if there's a chasm. It just seems as if there's a non-compete for a lot of games that we're signing against Georgia and Alabama. You know, LSU, we had a good first half. Second half, we couldn't do anything. Against Kentucky. But overall, at least I would say this, with LSU, we at least competed in that game. Yeah, we competed. We had chances late in the game. We were still in that game in the fourth quarter. Alabama, Georgia, and even Kentucky, we, we weren't in it. And especially in the second half. And our defense has had to bail us out so much. They're so they're worn slap out by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. And, and I, I know, look, man, coaches have to say what they say. Well, we expect you to play. You're not supposed to be. I, yeah, I get all that. That's real easy to say in a press conference. It's real hard to do when you got guys like that leaning on you the whole game. Every single play. And so I think that's the big thing is, you know, why are you having difficulties – against, you know, adequate and above-average defenses? Why are you having troubles? And I, I've, because that at times, you know, and we had some – we had 114 of our yards in the fourth quarter, kind of a mop-up time yesterday. And this is not to come in here and bash the offense, but you try to figure out what's going on. What's, what's the situation? Is it the inability to get off the ball – uh, from a wide receiver standpoint, is it not being able to throw the ball, um, you know, in, in tight windows? Is it not having enough time to throw the football? I think it's a mixture of a lot of different things. Inability to run the football to provide some, and I know Coach Leach doesn't like this, but to have some balance. You know, I asked this question to you last night on the postgame show. How much do you think, you know, after we won that three games homestand, A&M, Arkansas, and then we get ready for Kentucky and Alabama, in that last home game we had, that's when Dylan Johnson kind of got banged up a little bit. Or he got banged up at Kentucky early. That's what it was. But Jaquavius Marks has had that ankle sprain throughout the year. You kind of wonder, and I wonder this. I'm looking for excuses. You kind of wonder if those guys not being 100% has hurt this offense a little bit more than we would like to believe. It may have. I, and it's hard to tell. The problem I think I have as I sit here is – I could go both ways on so many things. And it, it all is depending on what mindset I'm in. If, if you want to be critical, you can. I could say the old Derek Jeter line that I used to love, if I'm on the field, I'm 100% because I'm 100% of whatever I've got that day. That's all that matters. Nobody cares. I mean, I'm either out, I'm either playing or I'm not playing. I don't want to hear that I was 80%. But the reality of it is, just like defenses get tired, players get beat up, and I think we've put a pretty good load on both those guys at times. I don't know. That's It's tough. But whatever it is, I think we can say this. We're not running it very well. We're not throwing and catching very well. And against these upper teams, we've just got to find a way to be better. 
And I think one of the things, too, is, is in our mind, you start thinking about air raid offense and you, you start looking at all those scores and all the points that are scored in the Big 12 and the Pac-12 where the defenses are simply not as good. I mean, that's just point blank, period. But then you come in here and, you know, you're, you're not losing games that we're talking about 31 to 28. I mean, you're having a difficult time of, of just moving the football. And I think that's kind of the, the frustrating thing. And so I see both sides of it. Like you said, Charlie. Because on the other hand, I could say, hey, wait a minute. We're seventh in scoring offense. Right. And meanwhile, we're ninth in scoring defense. Everybody. <laughs> so, I mean, you can take numbers and make a lot of different arguments. I think the thing I would say is this. Just from the eye test, it looks like in the LSU game, but to a much greater extent, Alabama and Georgia, we just – we didn't have much of a chance. Yeah, and I think so. And Now, and I, and here's how I, I would add to that. Part of the reason I say that and part of the reason that you're a little bit frustrated is we said coming in, hey, you're going to have to have a break in special teams. We got a break, and as good a coach as Kirby Smart is, how on earth are we getting a run back at that spot? How, how are you not just lined up and punting that ball out of bounds somewhere? I'd have no idea. But a terrible clock management. But we get a break, and we get the punt return, and we've got energy. That's a good thing. We also had a couple of turnovers. Tyrus Wheat made a great play. Oh, yeah. He just, the interception was crazy, man. He, like, bats it down to himself. It was phenomenal. We also we saw Duncan make a, a nice interception. Hey, Bookie Watson had a re- fumble recovery. And so you start to, well, yeah, <laughs> back to our friend Mark. But So the point of that being, though, we had breaks. We had things go our way, not the officiating. And I know we'll kind of talk about that. But when you get those, it was the difference in getting beat with 19 points on the board as opposed to being shut out maybe. I think that's the frustrating thing, isn't it? I think so. And, hey, if you know, flip the page and look at Georgia a little bit. You know, Stetson Bennett – Two years ago, everybody took the shots at him. He's a, just a, a management quarterback. He was a guy that, you know, just made sure he was a game manager like Greg McElroy, you know, not a great quarterback. but just, He's turned into a guy that can make plays. I mean, he has really progressed. Now, he should. I mean, <laughs> the guy's, what, 28 years? We'll I mean, he's been here for a long time. And he's an older guy, but he, he made some throws last night, made some big-time throws. And we said going into the game, I thought one of the big keys was going to be what kind of pressures you got. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any sacks last night. We got we got pressure on him a couple times. One of them led to an interception when we got in his face. I think Tyrus got in his face, and that's when Colin Duncan had the pick in the first quarter. And, uh, you know, we didn't have any sacks in the game last night. Both teams had five tackles for loss. So We are not credited with a single hit on the quarterback. Really? Not one. No sacks, no hits on the quarterbacks, seven pressures. So, a little bit of a tough night all the way around. But let, let's let's turn the page just a little bit for one second. You're going to get your seventh win next Saturday. You've got a chance at eight and nine. And I know that I know that people are frustrated. I'm frustrated. We all are. But shouldn't we let this thing play out? Oh, I think you have to because the thing that uh, that we said a few weeks ago is. The way the season is set up, you have to win against Auburn and you have to win against Ole Miss to have a, a 
what we consider a good season. I mean, if you win those two games and you finish out eight and four, and I'm talking about East Tennessee State like it's it's a given. It better be a given. I'll say that. Well, if it's not, next Sunday coffee will be one that you'll want to go ahead and download an archive. We'll have to go by the liquor store. Because you will put in hear, the, you'll hear the end of Charlie Winfield's career. Yeah, you know, to put in there. Strange, and, oh, by the way, Strange Brew Coffee House, Strange Brew, Three locations. You've got Spring Street and Highway 12 and start well, then the University Drive location. Man, they were wrapped up this morning. I'm talking about a line almost at the door. And, they hey, they were getting you through there in a hurry. But, my goodness, at the number of people. And so, of course, they're also in, uh, in Tupelo as well. They just announced they're going to Tuscaloosa for their fourth location. And so, Shane and the gang at uh, Strange Brew, outstanding job. And if you want to get some trinkets, some mugs, some shirts, or whatever, if you want to get a Strange Brew gift card, that's what Charlie says he's, he's going to do, go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. And they have all that stuff online. So go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com, and they'll ship you that coffee as well. Charlie, here's what I did this morning, and not to just go too, too deep into this point. Last night, I had made up my mind because I was stopped four or five times at the game talking about blueberry cobbler coffee. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something different tomorrow. I'm going to get the house blend. I'm going to get the Kenya, which is the dark roast. And I had made my mind up. I stood in line and worked my way through the line, and I was like, you know, I'm getting the house blend today, and I may get it black. I get blueberry cobbler, cream, and sugar. I'm not one of those high, you know, not one of those guys that has to have it strong. And I get to the counter. She says, what will you have? Uh, I take blueberry cobbler with the – I could not – I could not stray away. So, anyway. Well, I just kept it steady and committed like I always do. So, that reminds me, Bart. I was talking to my friend Anna Claire last night at the ball game. She is a loyal listener. And she tells me that one of the things holding us back here on Sunday Coffee is that we need a theme song. And so, she has actually proposed things. She actually says she's going to send a number past us. But this was the first nomination. You're my Sunday morning coffee. Thanks for picking me up when I'm not me. How you feel about retrograded Sunday coffee? Well, I, uh, okay. Coffee makes the whole world better. So, anyway, that's, uh, that's Sunday coffee. That's Mannheim Steamroller. Known for their Christmas music. That's what I was about to say. I'd never heard them sing anything other than Christmas music. Now, this, so they have a song, Sunday Morning Coffee. Really? Yeah. So a lot of instrumental Sunday coffees, but retrograded there with the only lyrical version that we've been able to locate so far for Sunday coffee. I'm not sure I'm feeling retrograded, but something to think about. Um, Sunday coffee needed a little bit of Bailey's at times last night in the stands. It was cold. It was cold in the game last night. It felt, you know, it was football weather, no doubt, and the wind was blowing. Had a good crowd last night. Of course, we had a <laughs> we talked about this. Had a lot of Georgia fans at the game last night. Let me ask you this. Was that just a product of, hey, they're the number one team in the country. They got a lot of bandwagon fans right now jumping out there. And it was the first time in 12 years they've come to Startwell. Is that fair, though, call them bandwagon fans? I think Georgia has a loyal fan base. They do have a loyal fan base, but they also have a lot of sidewalk fans as well. Do you feel like – and I guess it's, it's know, not only the 26th time we've played them. This isn't like all the walk-on alumni at Alabama. Well, that's what I was about to say. It's not to the level of Alabama in Columbus. But it's uh, – I think they have some 
But because you got to think about it, the other choice in Atlanta is Georgia Tech. It's pretty easy there. Right. Uh, you hit on something. Got to. I think we got to address it. I think one of the changes that we have seen. I, well, my whole life I've been frustrated when I have to sit around a fan of an opposing school. But I think StubHub and SeatGeek and all those things make it so easy now to sell your tickets. And once they go out there, you, you can't control who gets them. Right. I, I tell you this, though. Uh, the worst I ever saw was many years ago when there was an opposing fan base in the suites. Yeah. And you know, really like taunting the suites around them. Uh, you, you get people pay a lot of money, but you get in the club level, you get in some of the, you know, people who've paid a lot of money for tickets just in the stands. You know, come on. Let's, well, let's and I think, a, I think a lot of that has to do with awareness of the person, even in the seats. If, if I'm going to an opposing team's place, I'm going to watch how I act. I mean, that's just me. And, and nobody wants to sit by that group of people, and especially in the club areas especially in premium areas where it, it really is frustrating because you are play, paying a premium dollar, you know, to sit among your fan ga- your, your fan base. And it's, hey, it is, a, like you said, Charlie, it is a catch-22. You know, when, you, when the tickets are sold from an athletic department side, you really can't control what happens, you know, after they get them. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, StubHub and, and everything being electronic. That's why they're Yankee fans behind home plate every time they play in Tampa. Oh, if you go to Tampa to a, to a Rays game and, and the Yankees are in town, there are more Yankees fans there than, than Rays fans. I remember we went a couple years ago. We were out west in baseball. I went to an L.A. Kings hockey game and in the Staples Center or whatever it is called now. And so we're sitting there and we're playing, they're playing the Montreal Canadiens. And the Canadiens come out. And I looked around, I was like, I, there was just as many Canadiens fans there as Kings fans. And that's a big deal in L.A. But, man, I, I just I wonder if that's just – you go to an NFL game now, too, that you see you know, peppered through the crowd. I went to the Saints-Seahawks game a few weeks ago, sat right beside some Seahawks fans, and we're talking about 50-yard line seats. And so, I, I hate – There's it. nothing you can do about it. But it but, is frustrating. You, know, you hope that people who are – you know, faculty or whatever, you know, just maybe, you know, call a friend, see if they need them. I think so many people have gotten away from that, have gotten away. It's it's easier to put them on StubHub and I can make me a little change than putting them on Facebook and saying, hey, I got two extra tickets. And look, and I, I don't – I get it. There's another side to this too. The other side to that argument is this. Pay a lot of money for these things. I do whatever I want. And, yep. yeah, and so – I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. I'm just saying that when you're having to sit behind them or in front of them is the worst. Well, I know it's frustrating. It's frustrating for a lot of people, I know, to, to sit there to, with your season tickets and have somebody sitting beside you. You realize how many different ways we could go with this show today? Oh, We man. could be sitting here all negative. We could be sitting here all positive. Um, let me give you – not all positive – but if you well, want we could to. give you a few positive things. <laughs> um, well, I mean, look, you still got a winning record. You got a chance to win a couple more, like our punt returner. Um, Thomas looks good back there. So, um, Kenny punt. Okay, so there we go. The frustrating thing for me watching the game last night because I can make a lot of excuses for a lot of things, 
So as we start to go through, what I could say to you if you said, hey, Charlie, defend this offense. Hey, defend why we're paying $5 million and we're doing this. You know, what I'd point out to you is, hey, we're sixth in the league record-wise, and our coaching staff is about ninth or tenth in pay. We're Our star ratings, our expectations are below where we're performing. I could argue that we're doing good. Now, I get both sides. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying I could make the argument. I can't, however, make a great argument as to why we just can't seem to get everything together in the special teams. Because there's a lot of guys who can punt a football. It feels like it. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just look around the league and it you, you see one or two bad punts, but it just feels like we've got a recurring issue. Yeah, and and, and two, I mean, you, you say special teams in general. But last night you had a, a punt return for a touchdown. You, it was the best of times. Then, it was the worst of times. And, and we've gotten seams in the in the kickoff return game. I mean, Massimo hit a big field goal last night. And I know for all, you know, it's easy to poke fun at the kickers, and every time somebody misses one, everybody goes crazy. But since the first of the year, I mean, these guys that was a that was a big time kick. Massimo's hit some big field hit a big field goal last week to send it to overtime. And so there are parts of the special teams that have been okay. And have been above average at times. It's just, though, it's like we can't get it all synced up. Yeah. The, we can't get everything performing I on the same days. Yeah, I, I can't understand the, the from the punting standpoint. Well, going forward from here, we said, like I said a month ago, you beat Auburn, you beat Ole Miss, you got a chance to have a good year. We beat Auburn, and at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Thanksgiving night. It's That's what this season is going to come down to. And yesterday, you know, they pushed Alabama to the brink. And I think that's is, – is that – let me ask you this question. That's the elephant in the room, whether I should ask this question or not. Is that what the frustrating thing is for a lot of people? Yes. Is seeing, you know, Ole Miss winning 30 to – losing 40 to 34 or whatever it was to Alabama, and then you know, we're, we're having a tough time competing against those defenses. Now, I, I, I do think that we're going to score some points on Ole Miss's defense. I really do. I think they're going to score some pointers on our defense, too. Offensively, they're really good. They are. They are really good. And I think, yes, to answer your question, I think that is part of the frustration. Related to that, though, is what have we been hearing? Kind of that Ole Miss was losing a lot. They weren't going to be – man, they, they hadn't missed anything. On the offensive side of the ball, they're right back where they were. You know, they lose Matt Corral. They're fine. Yeah, well, they've gone more to the running game. The Jenkins kid – the, the oh freshman my goodness! Has been really good, and you know what? Thirty to twenty-four is what uh, Alabama won yesterday. And hey, here's the thing, too, man. You look around college football, and what what's about to happen in this Final Four, and the teams that are about to get in, there's going to be some gnashing of teeth, man. Because Clemson's got a good chance to get in. You look at Utah beat USC a couple weeks ago. That's USC's loss. Clemson got beat by Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago. They're about to play themselves yep, into this thing. Manhandled. About the, the, the hey, but hey, they're going to go twelve and one. They'll beat North Carolina in the ACC championship game, and then they'll go to the playoffs and get skull drugged by somebody. You really think they're getting in? They got a chance to. You look at Oregon last night. Oregon loses thirty-seven to thirty, thirty-seven thirty-four at home against Washington. UCLA was ranked twelfth. They were eight and one, and Arizona. I mean, the same Arizona team that we saw beat UCLA last night. All right, so looking forward around the league, the championship game is set. 
Yes. It'll be Georgia and LSU. And we still have games left to play. That's, that's incredible that it's not going down to the final weekend on at least one side. Next week, a couple of big games. It's a Ole Miss and Arkansas. That's a surprising game. And that one, by the way, is at 6.30. A lot of people frustrated. Why are we playing at 11 o'clock? We're going to get that game done. We'll be back in the coaches' offices around 5, watching film, getting ready for the Ole Miss game while they're playing Arkansas. And they've got to go on the road. So that's, that kind of offsets our difficulty of travel because it's not – traveling to Oxford is not a big deal. No. What time do they play Arkansas? Is that a late game? It's 6.30. So that's a 6.30 game there. That game will be over. So you and I got finished with the post game last night around midnight. I mean, they're probably getting back to Oxford – Two, two o'clock, in the morning. Two o'clock in the morning because they fly out of Tupelo. They don't have an airport as close to campus as we do. And so they're getting back at two o'clock in the morning. Now they'll probably send a, a school plane up there to bring the coaches back a little bit early as soon as the game's over with. They'll be back a little bit earlier at two o'clock. But still, short turnaround, yeah. So that's not good. Other big games next week, Georgia and Kentucky. That's what happened. Kentucky was just looking ahead. <laughs> a trap game with Vandy. Uh, the other big game, UMass and A&M. Wow, a couple of one and nine and uh, three and seven teams. How would you like to be over at College Station, man? I like, I kind of like to be over there. Sometimes you just want to see something burn. Can you imagine what midnight yell is going to be like for UMass <laughs> coming in <laughs> for Texas A&M? Oh, Leroy knows uh, overalls. He's got. He's going to have some good jokes this week, isn't he? Hey, so let me ask you this: as you look around, I think sometimes the we feel like the dark cloud just settles on top of us. Right now, if you're at Florida, are you happy? Well, that's what I was about to say, and we said this last night on the postgame show. Okay, you win the next two weeks, and you sit there at 8-4. and four. Then you'd be going to a really good bowl game. That's what I'm saying, man, because Arkansas, you're ahead of Arkansas. Auburn ain't going. They still got to play Bama in Tuscaloosa. A&M is out of it. You look on the eastern side, Kentucky losing to Vandy yesterday. They're 6-4. and four. They got to play Georgia this week. So they'll be. Yeah, South Carolina still got to play Clemson. Florida, I mean, they got to play Florida State late in the year. I mean, you have a chance to play yourself into, I mean, the top six or seven teams in the SEC overall. And you look where you're – of course, I know preseason means absolutely nothing. The preseason picks are the biggest joke known to man. But you still have a chance to be a top six team in the SEC if you can win the next two weeks. There's your glass half full right there, Charlie. We still have a lot to play for. We could get our fourth SEC win. That has not been something. We haven't done that very often. I mean, how many times did Dan do that? Once? How many times were we above 500, 500 or better under Dan Mullen? Of course, you know in 2014 you were. All right, so Dan actually finished four and four or better in the league five times. Did he really? But he only had a winning record in the league once. The only time in Dan's time here that we had a better than 500 record in the league was in fourteen. We went six and two. So four times he was four and four. Yeah, he went four and four in ten, twelve, fifteen, and seventeen. Yeah. So even his final year, we went four and four in the league. Really? It just doesn't seem like seventeen. You won four games. Yeah, well, you know we went eight and four that year. That's so crazy. Of course, you had the the win in the, what, the Tax Slayer Bowl, the Gator Bowl. I'll still call it. Yeah, Greg Knox. But that loss against Ole Miss just made everybody kind of feel bad about everything. Yeah, it sure did. So, well, anyway, just kind of got it all out there this morning. Not a whole lot of stats to look at. To, I don't want to. I don't either. I'm trying to forget them. Although the one stat that jumped out, we were talking about the stat of the game. For me, 
We're down 17 to 12 at the half, and Kentucky and Georgia comes out what 178, 187 yards in the third quarter. Yeah. Well, and that's what somebody asked me last night at halftime. Hey, do you think we got a chance? And of course, hey, you're down 17 to 12. Of course, you got a chance. But the thing you want to say is, and that's what I looked at the guy and said, hey. What Georgia does is first drive is going to tell you a lot about the second half. What, it took them two plays? It took them two plays. Once again, thanks to our good friends at uh, Strange Brew Coffee House. Our, of course, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startwell Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. I saw our good friend Henry Cooper last night at the game. Henry with Country Pleasing Sausage. I had my jalapeno cheddar first thing this morning. You know, you can get a Country Pleasing dog at uh, basketball today yeah and so that's the reason charlie and i are getting out of here in a hurry today is because we are broadcasting men's basketball man i am excited hey let me ask you a question Who are we playing let me ask you a question because I, I i find myself in life that more than anything i'm just a contrarian <laughs> you know it doesn't matter what position somebody takes just instinctively i want to take the opposite so the last thing that I read coming in this morning was we got to get rid of Leach. Got to get rid of Mike Leach because we need to take a step forward. That's just Twitter. So I think back in time, if we were, you know, in, I'm a history fan, and there are people who write alternative histories, right? So if this had happened, then how was the world different? How was the Mississippi State basketball world different if Rick Stansberry isn't, uh, doesn't <clears throat> re- retire? Well, you look at that time and and you go into that time knowing that if if you didn't have everything lined up properly that you could fall by the wayside in a hurry. And what happened? We fell by the wayside in a hurry. I think the thing to remember is in history people always tend to assume at least now that all forward movement is progress. You can slide backwards down the scale too. And for me, that goes into why it's going to be so important that we get a really good athletic director. Because, look, Mike Leach will not be the head coach here at some point. And I don't know when that will be. I don't know if it will be three years or 30. It won't be 30. But at some point down the line, of all the qualities that we talk about wanting in an athletic director, we want somebody to shake hands. We want somebody to go to alumni meetings. Doesn't that really, though, have to be kind of at the top the ability to evaluate people, the ability to understand coaches. Because you look around our league, man, people fail at that all the time in even much bigger schools. Yeah, I do. look at A&M. I mean, do you consider Jimbo Fisher a good hire? No, Scott Woodward just threw a bunch of money at him. I mean, and a guy that I don't know that Florida State even wanted. It feels like to me that way too many athletic directors get hung up in winning the press conference. They get excited about, hey, we we got to get this big splash higher. And I, and I read and say, well, we need a young, energetic coach. I don't care if the guy's Marv Levy. I don't care if he's 74. Get me to three straight Super Bowls and we got a deal. You haven't got to be young. You haven't got to be energetic. You haven't got to be anything. In any event, the point I'm making is sometimes you just got to be careful. If that were a topic that were to be had, though, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense without leadership in place. No, it doesn't. And, hey, let me tell you, man, coaches talk. Co- coaches and the coaching profession talk. They know where they are going to be able to go, and they know where they are going to have you know, have a chance to, to coach and be left alone. 
They know where, I mean, they know where the landmines are. And so getting a good athletic director, someone that understands football coaches, is going to be a big key. Yeah, and unfortunately, and I know people are sick of hearing this, right now when you go recruit, particularly in the basketball world, one of the first things people know is about NIL. But what's happening increasingly is now that's what coaches want to know about. And they want to know what's the pool. <laughs> you know, how good's your NIL program before I sign on? And I think it, there could be a lot of athletic directors in that spot too. I agree with that. Oh, no no doubt. Hey, um, before we get out of here, I want to, want to remind you if you're in the market for a new or used car, you can go out to Cannon Ford of Startle. Cannon Ford, Chris Keen, and that uh, group of guys out there, I mean, they're outstanding. Their customer service is unbelievable. They're just good people, which sometimes the car business, you have a tough time finding, but they are outstanding. Just good people for you in the market for a new, new or used car. The service center, if you need your oil change, you need a spray and bed liner. You need anything in the body shop, if you have a fender bender, they can do it all out there. Any makes or models, they can figure it out for you. So go by and see our friends at Cannon Ford of Starville. I saw a lot of dents yesterday on campus. I was walking around putting out signs for the Bulldog Initiative yesterday morning, and one of the things that jumped out at me were the number of people who had not like big wrecks, but just like somebody had backed into them. Yeah. A lot of rear quarter panels. I just tried to say that with authority. I'm not really sure what a real rear quarter panel is. I'm kind of like machinery when it comes to cars, Bart. I can look at it and tell you I like it or I don't. I know how to change the oil. I know how to change the oil in a car. I know how to change a tire. Now, that. Now, so I quit mowing my yard in, say, 1998. And that was the year that I had a brand-new weed eater, and I busted it in a 1,000 pieces and threw it in the neighbor's swimming pool. Really? So, yeah. Were you listening to a game or anything? No, it wouldn't crank. All I had, to, I had like one little area that I had to weed eat, and I couldn't get to crank. I'd rubbed a blister on my hand. Of course, I'd flooded the engine, whatever that means. I was mad, and I just couldn't take it anymore. And that thing, it was really good, gas-powered, you know. So I got rid of that. So I quit mowing my yard and decided that my time was better spent paying a neighbor's kid to do that. I don't know why anybody in today's world would change their own oil. That's work. Well, and two, a lot of car manufacturers have made it so difficult to change the oil that you have to go somewhere that knows what they're doing to change it. But, hey, I changed my oil in my lawnmower, changed the blades on my lawnmower. I'm see, just, I don't own a lawnmower. See, I'm just one of those fix-it guys. See, I don't have that problem. Well, anyway, hey, we'll be back at it in the midweek, and then we'll get ready for East Tennessee State. Are we going to do a deep dig on East Tennessee State? We should. Really? Yeah, because it, if we do any kind of dig on East Tennessee State, it will have to be deep. <laughs> so it'll start by figuring out what town they're in. Johnson City. Okay. I do know their nickname is the Buccaneers. I know that they lost to Western Carolina yesterday, whose quarterback is Cole Gonzalez, the son of former Bulldog assistant Billy Gonzalez. See at Western Carolina? And I think he's at Florida Atlantic now, maybe. But Cole Gonzalez is. Western Carolina. Western Carolina, the quarterback. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you some numbers. My first number is going to be zero. That's the number of targeting penalties that we can afford in the second half. Got that right. So we need everybody eligible. That's also the number of just overall injuries that we need next week, too. My second number is going to be 65. That's the number of people I want to see play in that football game at a minimum. <laughs> And my third number is going to be zero again, and that is the number 
of starting defensive linemen or cornerbacks I want to see in that football game in the fourth quarter. So what you're doing right now is completely overlooking East Tennessee State. I am absolutely <laughs> overlooking. I can't remember who it is. <laughs> there was a school that we used to play. I don't you know, I'll call them Universal. Doesn't matter. But Coach Polk used to get the baseball team together at the beginning of the year, and he used to say, all right, guys, look, here's the schedule. We're not going to overlook anybody except Universal. <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> I, I, I wish I could remember who it was, but there was this one team, yeah, we're, we're going to overlook them. It's not going to be a problem. <laughs> That's how I want this weekend to be. The advantage of our schedule heading into the Ole Miss game is that we have what should be the functional equivalent of a scrimmage while Ole Miss has to go on the road and play an Arkansas team, that whatever you want to say about them, they're going to play hard. They're going to try to rough you up a little bit. You have to take advantage of that by getting that game over and getting it done. Arkansas is 5-5 five and five now, 2-4 and four in the SEC. So they need a win. Yeah, they need a win. And we need Arkansas to win. That's an interesting thought. I think you're right. I mean, I don't care. I don't care if Arkansas – I don't care what the records are. I want Arkansas to win. <laughs> hey, <laughs> enjoyed it as always. Once again, thanks to our great friends at uh, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. Strange Brew Coffee House, three locations now. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. You can find it anywhere right now in the grocery stores. It's great stuff. And then Cannon Ford of Starkville. Cannon Ford, it's uh, – just east of Startville, we haven't talked about Tracks Plus. Talking about a deep dig on Friday, Tracks Plus, Saney excavators and mini excavators, Barco, Rayco, the mulching machines that they have that they can take down a forest in a heartbeat. We'll have our Tracks Plus deep dig on Friday, and then uh, once again, Bank First. Go to BankFirstFS.com for all your lending needs. and for So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Hey, basketball today at 2 o'clock. That's where we're headed right now. If you can't make it to the hump, we wish you can make it to the hump. It's a fun basketball team to watch. They really get after it. But if you can't get there, watch us at 2 o'clock today on the SEC+. Plus. Hey, one last sports note for you because this just popped up on my note. Texas A&M is the first college football program ever to follow a number one national recruiting class with a losing season. And Jimbo Fisher's buyout, $85.95 million. Heck yeah, man. It's a good job if you can get it. Man, fire me. Fire me. It's not about hiring the guy. It's about these crazy fools that are giving these extensions like that. Anyway, another story for another day. All right, so let's go to the hump. All right, see you later.